everybody. Welcome back to the Covenant Eyes podcast. We are so glad to have you joining us. This is kind of a special episode. We've got some guests joining us today that I think may have been one of our very first guests back in the day, three seasons ago. So we are super excited about that. I'm Karen with Covenant Eyes. I've got Rob sitting shotgun over there. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Hey, Karen. Good, good. Other than I uh, got snowed in here in Michigan today, but other than that, we're doing pretty good. Hey, I know. You know, with my driving, I think maybe I should be shotgun and you should be the driver because I'm, <laughs> I'm not the best driver here. So, you know, <laughs> uh, you got to slow down when it's snowing. That's it. I know. I know. Oh, my goodness. Well, anyways, we are super excited about today's episode. Do you want to introduce today's I guest? I do. Yeah. Right. Like you said, really special people to Covenant Eyes, good good long-term friends and partners. So with us today is Troy and Melissa Haas. And uh, Troy and Melissa run a ministry called Hope Quest, have a beautiful story of how they got to that and uh, just doing some wonderful counseling and, and help for so many people. And so um, I'll start with there. Troy and Melissa, welcome to Covenant Eyes podcast. Thanks. So good to be here. Love you guys. Here. Great. Well, hey, can you just start out? Just give us just a little background of um, you know how you got to Hope Quest and and what the ministry does, and, and just fill in people who might not know who who you guys are. Absolutely, we we founded Hope Quest uh, over twenty years ago. Bottom line, out of our own story, uh, we have been married for thirty three years now. Uh, and the first eight plus years of our marriage were were just they're horribly bad because of my addiction and because of my porn use and my sexual addiction. Uh, and so as God brought us to a place of healing and a place of restoration and you know, recognition of Melissa's betrayal trauma and just the process that we walked through really for, for a few years, God began to call us to help others and walk with others. And so Hope Quest was kind of born out of that desire to walk with people who've been impacted by addiction so that they can experience the freedom and hope uh, that, that we've been able to experience in our lives and in our marriage. That's incredible. And your story, I know you gave the short version, but it is, it's quite a journey and it's a beautiful story of God's redeeming grace in our lives. So it's just a beautiful story. So for those of you that are new listeners, if you go back to the old episode back in season three, we do dive into that story a little bit more. So check it out. Troy, Melissa, you guys have done so many amazing things throughout this time in your ministry and in your work. Um, and your most recent accomplishment, maybe your most recent, maybe you've been doing a million different things all at once, but you've actually developed a course in Victory for Covenant Eyes. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about that. And I think that might be a good segue into today's topic, too. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that that helped us and helps others is just the opportunity to do what we call a, a therapeutic and complete disclosure. Because you can't, and Melissa will talk about this in a second, you can't forgive or you can't move past what you don't know. Uh, and so we wrote the course in the Victory app uh, for just how to go about doing that disclosure process. And I'll let Melissa, as a, as a marriage therapist, talk about why that's so incredibly important. Well, I mean, the big high points are disclosures are necessary so that we have level ground, so that we're coming from a place of honesty and authenticity. And that reestablishes safety in the marriage on safety is the foundation of trust in every relationship. So there is a wise way to do that and an unwise way to do that. So that what is what that course is about. And um, hopefully that will help many couples navigate that very tricky and challenging situation in a healthy way. Yeah, we're so glad you wrote that. We so often talk to men and women who 
really, that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks is how do we confess that to our spouse? How do we even talk about that? And so that is just really valuable uh, information. But if we could talk a minute about uh, about that process, I mean, that disclosure is really just the beginning, right? Yes. I mean, this is a long process of, of healing, a long process of learning how to forgive and how, also how to earn back that trust. Yes. So could you guys talk a little bit about okay, post-confession, where does that go and what does that look like? Absolutely. O- oftentimes there's this, there's this rush, especially on the behalf of the guy who's done the offending, done the hurting. I've inflicted this horrible betrayal on my spouse, or I'm a leader walking alongside this couple and I see the pain that she's in or the betrayal trauma that she's experienced. And so, you know, forgiveness is, is pushed rightfully so because it's important, but oftentimes everything gets wrapped up in forgiveness and there's not really any understanding of what trust is. So I'll, I'll let Melissa maybe begin to unpack that a little bit because I think this is the key. Once a good disclosure is done and once some healings begin to happen, if we can get forgiveness and trust right, boy, the pathway can be beautiful. If we don't, there's a lot of uh, just ups and downs and a real potential to get stuck really bad. Yeah, so one of the things we always teach our couples is there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness is about a core wound, betrayal, hurt that uh, that elicits the sense that you owe me some kind of repair, some kind of amends, some kind of recompense for the pain I've suffered, right? And what the Bible teaches us is that really forgiveness is something Jesus wants us all to do for each other because holding on to that debt it creates bitterness in our soul and is harmful for us, right? So forgiveness is freedom for us. And and really, when we talk about sexual betrayal, one of the things that it's really important for a spouse to walk through is, you know, Jesus, do I trust that you have forgiven this sin too? Does your blood on the cross cover this that my husband has done to me? Or am I going to make him pay in some way? So settling forgiveness is it, it for me as a spouse is really about trusting that what Jesus did on the cross covers my husband's sin. And I don't need to make him pay for that. It's, it's paid for paid in full. So, Thank God. Cause I can't pay for it. No. And, and that's I, the I, thing. I, I can't fix it. I can't make it better. That's right. You can't, you can't recreate a shattered dream. You can't, Uh, go back in time and change behaviors, right? So forgiveness is actually more a vertical decision I make with God um, first, right? And then offering, telling my husband, you know, you can't repay this debt. So if if I really do settle forgiveness in my heart, two things don't change right off the bat. And that is, I still feel pain, right? Just because... So if I am driving in a car with my husband and because he's distracted by porn, he turns and we're side side swiped and the car hits my side of the car and somehow I survive, but I'm in ICU. He can come to me in the hospital and I can say, you know, honey, I I know you weren't out to hurt me. I know you were distracted. I didn't mean to do it. I know you, it wasn't strategic. I forgive you. I'm not going to make you pay for that. Where am I still? (laughs) I'm still in the ICU, in the hospital, all my, you know, in a full body cast. So I'm still in a lot of pain. And sometimes couples get confused by this. 
even wise will say, I thought I forgive him, but I feel angry all of a sudden today, or I am just so sad. I can't stop sobbing. Well, that's not a forgiveness issue. That is a healing issue at this point. And healing takes time. I have to cooperate with medical care um, if it's a body injury. And same thing with my soul. I have to cooperate with God and good caregivers and heal over time. But trust is something different. And talk a little bit about trust. Before we even do that, you know, Robin, Karen, just if I could share this story, what what I wanted, what I I didn't even realize how deeply I had hurt Melissa. I didn't realize, I didn't know what betrayal trauma was. I didn't, I knew I had hurt her and I knew I hated what I had done, but I didn't realize how deep it was. But what I wanted more than anything is to be forgiven. And uh, I longed for that. And, and I remember Melissa, when uh, we were separated at first. Um, and so the first time I saw her after what, what probably about six weeks uh, mm-hmm. of separation, she was still in Africa, kind of having a baby and packing up and that sort of thing. And I was I was in a treatment center uh, for residential treatment in California. And um, she got off the plane and her first words for me were, um, uh, I, I love you. I forgive you. Everything is going to be fine. And I, I was like, oh, that's great. Cause I, I wanted to hear that. And then a couple of weeks later, we had an argument. And, uh, and I think I said to her as a part of that argument, well, I thought you forgave me. And her response was, I lied. <laughs> you know, and, and what, what she had, the reality was she had forgiven, but we were talking about something different. I, what I really needed to see happen is trust to be built in our relationship. And that can't happen quickly. That happens over time. And so that's that's why it's so important for couples and, and people who are walking with couples to realize there's a huge difference. Forgiveness is one thing, and we ought not equate that because, like, for instance, well-meaning leaders in churches will, will just come to a couple and say, you know what, sweetheart, you just need to forgive him. You just need to forgive him and move on. And that is not helpful advice because, yes, forgiveness is an important part of the process, but it is not the end-all be-all. It does not fix the problem. And if a relationship's going to heal and a relationship's going to ultimately thrive, trust has to be rebuilt. And so uh, define trust for us, Melissa. Well, so the way God wired us is we are always taking in through our systems cues of danger and cues of safety. That's the way God made our bodies biologically. And so in relationships, in emotional safety, uh, for emotional safety, I have to see that you're for me. You're with me. You're not intentionally hurting me. You're reliable. You respond when I need help. All of these things are part of uh, the the building blocks of emotional safety. When we have an attachment injury, um, it disrupts that. And porn is a huge attachment injury. Huge, huge. Because uh, well, for lots of different reasons, but basically you chose someone other than me and um, and you were supposed to be mine and mine alone. Right. And so when we are rebuilding trust, I trust building is really more about the couple having more cues of safety in the relationship than cues of danger. And that's why it takes time, because initially everything feels like a cue of danger to a wife. So you walk in the in the door and you have your cell phone in your hand. Trigger. What were you doing on your cell phone? What were you looking at on your cell phone? Give me your phone. Let me look at it. Let me. And and so there's this her all of her senses are heightened around. It's dangerous to be with this man. He is not trustworthy. And super not helpful would be 
well, what do you mean? What am I doing on my phone? I, you know, why, why are you not believing me? I thought you forgave me. And again, that's not helpful. The, the, the proper response is, you know, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. You're feeling anxious right now. Um, I understand that, that, that my having my phone would create a lot of doubt and concern in you. Let's look at this together. And I want to show you, you know, here's what I've been doing on the victory app. And here's, Here's what I've been looking at through my covenant eyes report. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm doing things. So that, that's the first point of, of rebuilding trust. Rebuilding trust is, is about actions, not words. I can say all day long, I promise I won't do this again. I promise I'll do better. I won't hurt you again. I won't look at porn anymore. But the reality is trust is not rebuilt by those words. Trust is rebuilt by actions. So small actions, a little bit every day over time, that's how trust is rebuilt. And so that's kind of the first point uh, in trust rebuilding. What, what about the second? So I think a lot of guys and women, I don't want to exclude women in this, but a lot of people in recovery it imagine or believe that if I just stop the, the bad behavior, if I just stop the thing, the behavior that is hurting my spouse, we will be fine. And sometimes spouses feel that same way too, initially. Like if you just stop this, we were fine. I don't understand why you're doing this. But the reality is eliminating cues of danger can only go so far in a relationship because your spouse has triggers and you may not be doing anything, anything wrong. And still the hypervigilance and the anxiety comes up that you are betraying again. And so the second part of rebuilding trust is actually increasing cues of safety, which is not it. There are some structural things you can do, putting covenant items on your phone, making sure you set healthy limits around your technology use, all of that. Moving your computer into a public part of the house. Right. I mean, there, there are some practical things you can do like that, but the bigger ones. Right. But the larger one is actually creating more connection in your relationship because the antidote for addiction is connection. The opposite of addiction is connection. And so the more you're connecting with your spouse and being vulnerable and authentic and checking in, hey, I had a really hard day. I was anxious today. And, you know, I, I, I was proud of myself. I really didn't have cravings to look at porn, but I noticed how anxious I was or how stressed. This is what makes a spouse feel safe because we are communicating. I know you, you know me. It feels safe. It begins to um, create more cues of safety. We're connected and we are good. And, um, and so I cannot stress how important it is for to work on these emotional connecting experiences. And there's lots of different tools for that. Victory App talks about FANOS check-ins. Um, you, there's lots of different uh, IFAB statements. I feel about because statements with couples each day. The, the reality is if I am not known or vulnerable or being authentic with my spouse, his or her anxiety is going to be up and running because with pornography use, you are leaning out of relationship. You can't see my hand. You're leaning out of relationship um, and, and attaching to something that is not your spouse. Whereas if you are connecting, you're leaning in and that feels safe, right? You're present, you're with me, you're for me, um, I'm safe. And the last thing I would say about trust rebuilding is that it, it's on us, the person who has done the offending, the person who's done the betrayal, the person who has uh, hurt the, their spouse, 
they're the ones that should take the initiative. It shouldn't be the spouse always driving the bus. I needed to take initiative. I needed to say to Melissa, you know, these are the things, the actions that I'm going to do. And, and one of the actions that you can take, and this this actually gets at the thing Melissa just said, one of the actions you can take is you could sit down and say, you know what, I really, I want to increase the cues of safety in our marriage. I, I want you to feel more connected. I want to rebuild trust. What can I do to help you with that? And, and simply listen at that point to find out what's going on. And, and what you'll find out if you'll do that is oftentimes it's not about the, 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 the porn behaviors. It's about other behaviors that trigger the fear uh, and, and so taking that initiative, one of the things that I did, I did a couple of things. One, one thing was I just, I really put some safeguards around technology. Um, we moved our computer into a, a public area in our home, uh, not a private area. I never got, a, I stopped getting on the computer at night after Melissa went to bed. When Melissa went to bed, my computer time was done. I'd try to go to bed with her, but if I wasn't going to bed with her, I would not be on the computer because those were things that were easy things for me to take the initiative on that Melissa shouldn't have to be saying, I should be able to intuit that, but taking that initiative. And then, like I said, the initiative to connect emotionally, the initiative to listen and to talk and to build the emotional bond in our relationship, that's huge in rebuilding trust. So those are the things uh, that, that have to happen if we're going to rebuild trust in a relationship. Wow. <laughs> that was an incredible segue. Uh, you know, I mean, that was just so much information for our listeners. They're going to be certainly blessed by that. But listening to that, I'm thinking of the couples in the church going through this. This is heavy. This yeah. is heavy, heavy stuff. And so, you know, as you know, we know statistically there's 70% of men in the church struggling with pornography yes. or close to 70%. And that means there's, you know, potentially, you know, over half of the marriages that might be going through something this deep. And so as a fellow churchgoer, I just think, how can I support, you know, other couples? Because my gosh, we, this is heavy and they need a community and support from others. Is there things that we can do together as a community, as a church body to support one another as as couples are going through this healing process? Absolutely. hundred percent. One of the biggest ones is, is help not reinforce this idea that forgiveness and trust are the same thing. Uh, a lot of well-meaning folks that are trying to help others, you know, come alongside the wife uh, who's betrayed and she is still reeling from the betrayal trauma. And the encouragement is, you know, just, just forgive him, honey. It, if you'll just forgive him, it's all going to be okay. So moving past that, but I think, uh, you know, a couple of other things that, that can be done is help foster community where folks can be authentic as couples. Uh, you know, in your in your couple small groups, help create environments where couples can really talk about what matters. They can talk about cues of danger and cues of safety. They can talk about what's going on emotionally. Uh, and if if we'll create those kind of safe context and communities, then trust can rebuild and be real bit be rebuilt in that context. What else would you yeah, say? Yeah, and I would say this: a lot of times, people in the church give unhelpful help with good intentions right? And it's because we're uncomfortable. We see people in pain and we just want to make it better. We just want to fix them. So we say a Bible verse they can cling to, or we give them a book they can read. And unintentionally, it will send the unintentional message that you're not enough. You're failing. You're failing in your faith. You're not trusting God enough. And that just heaps an extra burden on a person's heart who is suffering. So 
the best thing we can do is just be there and be present and say, wow, that has to hurt so much. I don't even know how to help. What can I do? And just to normalize, uh, you know, people who have been through tragedy and have taken a journey through grief know that pain doesn't end overnight. So just having another person say, you know, honey, I know it is hard. You will get through this. I'm here. I'll be here for whatever you need, logistical support, a listening ear, whatever you need, I'm here. Um, And you're not alone. I have your back. That is actually the most comforting message uh, to someone who's in pain, regardless of the pain, but particularly betrayal. I'll tell you this real quick, Karen. One of the things that we've done this last year, it's been really, it's been exciting. It's been difficult, but we've been piloting a marriage group for people who have been through betrayal with pornography and sex addiction. Uh, and that has, has, has been challenging because you've got you've got husbands who have hurt their wives. You've got wives who've experienced betrayal trauma. The good news is everyone in this group has done their own individual work, uh, most of them through our Walking Free for Men and Journey for Betrayed Spouses. But we've now put that whole, you know, 12 folks, six couples in a room together and trying to just walk through this whole process of forgiveness and trust be rebuilding and beginning to grow back together as a married couple. And I, I'm just curious, you know, what's your big takeaway from that experience this past year? We wrote uh, or wrapping up, you know, 12 weeks worth of curriculum. But what's been your your takeaway from that? I think my big takeaway is couples are hungry to know they're not alone, that other couples are struggling the same way they do, that they're not crazy or unspiritual or um, more defective (laughs) as a couple than other couples. So I think that's been, it's been helpful. And also the second one is that couples are discovering they can become closer than they thought they could Mm -hmm. in spite of the pain. Um, They can be more connected even when they're hurting. And that's a huge, you know, that's what Jesus longs for all of us in our relationship with him. And so I think that's a goal for his in our marriages. Yeah. That even when we're hurting, we can still be close. Yeah. When I met Melissa uh, 35 plus years ago, it was love at first sight. It really, it really was. <laughs> for you. <I> <laughs> okay. That's fair. Um, but I would say that because of this process of rebuilding trust, our relationship today is 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 kind of what I, what we dreamed of. 33 years ago when we we stood as, as uh, young 20-somethings, naive uh, yeah. and full of uh, a lot of stuff, including Jesus. Uh, and and it's worth the battle. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the fight to not just do forgiveness, but to press through that process of rebuilding trust. Well, absolutely. That's, that is just such wonderful advice. So for our listeners, you know, you, you've talked about a lot of things that you're able to do in, in your courses. How do people get a hold of some information from you? Um, I understand you guys do some training for churches, for leaders too. Um, we do. Yeah. So how do, how do people get in touch with that? Everything you'd want to know is, is at our website, hopequest.us. And the us uh, technically stands for U.S., but we like to call it us because we're all together and we need one another and we're better together. But hopequest.us. Uh, and we do one of the biggest things we do is we do residential treatment. So when, when a when a when a guy needs help and, you know, counseling is not enough, a short term intensive is not enough. 
He needs the full surgery. Uh, we offer that in a Christ-centered, clinically effective way. We pull folks from all over, really all over North America uh, for that program. Uh, and then we also do training for churches. The biggest training we do for churches, in addition to just, you know, how do you deal with sex addiction and how do you deal with pornography? But we we train churches in how to have authentic connected small groups. And sometimes those small groups are around a specific issue like porn and sex addiction, like our walking free and journey groups. But sometimes they're just, you know, a church's normal community groups or home groups. Uh, but how how can we help those be less surfacey and less religious languagey and more real <laughs> more and connected. more connected and more authentic? So we we do a training where we train lay leaders and how to facilitate a group. Uh, in that fashion. And then we've been working on this marriage curriculum for about a year. We'll see where that goes. It's it's easier said than done, but we'd love anyone that just has questions about us. HopeQuest.us uh, should get you all that you need, at least to start with. That's incredible. I love that idea of helping small groups get better because I, in part of that process is really that trust, right? Because so many times we're so surfacey in those groups because it's like, Hundred percent. You know, I don't know. <laughs> that's great. So I would love to take a look at that myself for my church. I think that's a great concept. So uh, we'll put the show, our, I'm sorry, the links in the show notes oh. for everybody, so they can click through and check all those resources out. In closing of our episode today, uh, Melissa and Troy, what what is one takeaway that you just hope our listeners really walk away from this episode with? Hmm. Put you on the spot. <laughs> So I think the most important thing to remember, if you are in recovery from addiction, is there is hope for healing and connection. The opposite of addiction is going to be connection. It isn't stopping the behavior. So the more connected you are to yourself, God, and others, the easier it becomes to let go of something that has helped you cope or helped you survive trauma in your life or pain in your life loneliness in your life. And so that I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to be connected in relationships because that is the way, the path to healing. And I would say um, this whole idea, you know, we talked about it for, for rebuilding trust and that's the idea of a process, really all of recovery and even discipleship and following Jesus is like that. Things aren't easy. They, there aren't quick fixes. There aren't three easy steps. It's a process. And so I just encourage folks, embrace that process. Trust Jesus is in the midst of that process. And sometimes that process is going to be up. Sometimes it's going to be down. Sometimes it's going to feel forward. Sometimes it's going to feel backwards. Don't give up. Keep moving. The process is worth it. There is hope. Well, guys, Troy, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for just these words of wisdom for couples in, in healing. And uh, we'd love to have you back again in the future, I'm we'd sure. Love to come back. Yeah, great. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in today and um, share our uh, video if you'd like. And uh, certainly leave us some comments if you, if you can. But uh, again, thanks for listening. And that's it for today. Take care. Bye.